Father, we thank you for the relationship that we can have with you through Jesus Christ. This morning as we pause at this point to spend some time in your word, I pray that you will, by your Holy Spirit, open it to us. I pray that he would be the key that would unlock its meaning, its truth for our hearts. I pray that it will be able to break through the walls that we put up, our own thoughts, our own ideas, our own designs on what life should be and what things should look like, and that we would see you in your design, your purpose here this morning. Thank you for this opportunity to take this pause from life and to focus our attention on you. I pray that it will be profitable this morning. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks, folks. You can have a seat. If you've been with us the last few weeks, you know that we've been working our way through the Gospel of John, and the last couple of weeks in particular, we actually backtracked. We were in John chapter 14, and we kind of backtracked to John 12 to talk about some of the events that uh, led up to Christ's crucifixion. Now we're jumping ahead again to John chapter 15, and I'll remind you that Jesus is taking this last opportunity to spend some time with his disciples and kind of help them understand how it is that they're going to be able to live life the way that he has called them to without his presence. You know that Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross and he's already told them in John 14, we looked at this, guys, I'm leaving. I'm not going to be on this earth with you anymore. And in John 14, he gives us some hope. He says, but I want you to know that I'm, I'm coming back. I'm going and preparing a place for you. And then I'm going to come back so that you can be with me. And then later on in that chapter, he tells them that he's going to give them some help in order to help them walk with him while he's gone as well. And that help is the Holy Spirit. And so we're moving on here, and we're continuing this conversation in these just last hours that Jesus has with his disciples. And I want you to see in this passage we're going to look at this morning in John 15, that the key to our entire Christian life is our union with Christ. That is, our connection to Christ. And we don't really spend a lot of time talking about our union or our connection with Christ but ironically, the New Testament does. In fact, 133 times at least in the New Testament it says, in Christ, by Christ, through Christ, of Christ, talking about this connection. And in this passage, Jesus is going to address that with his disciples. And he's going to talk to them about what union with him means and why it matters and what the results are. And I want you to see as we read this passage that here Jesus calls it abiding in him. We're going to read 11 verses and 10 times Jesus is going to use the word abide. Now I want you to know that when you're reading the Bible, if you see words that are repeated... You ought to pay attention to that. When Jesus says something 10 times in 11 verses, that means it's important. And so we're going to see that this morning. So follow along with me as I read 
John 15, in the first 11 verses, you may recognize some of this when I read it. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove that you are my disciples. As the Father has loved me, So I have loved you, abide in my love. If you keep my commandments and you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, these things have I spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So Jesus uses an analogy to describe this abiding in me. He says, I'm the vine. Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And my father is the farmer. He's the vine dresser. He's the one that does the work and produces the results. Now, I don't know if anybody knows when I was reading those verses. In verses 2 and 6 here, it sounds a bit scary, doesn't it? Any branch that doesn't produce fruit, he's going to throw away. And that branch is going to wither, and he's going to gather them and throw them into the fire and be burned. Is that a scary picture for anyone else besides me here this morning? If you don't bear fruit, the branch is going to be thrown into the fire and burned. Well, let me just pause here for a second to tell you that he is not talking about true believers in Jesus Christ. Because for those of us, who truly believe in Jesus, who have given our hearts to Him, have trusted Him for salvation, we know that our salvation is secure. And we never lose it. There are dozens of passages in the Scripture that talk to us about the fact that our salvation is sure when we truly trust Him. What He is talking about is that there are many who profess faith in Jesus. There are many who say, Oh, I believe Jesus. Oh, I belong to Jesus. I'm trusting Him. There are many who say that, that are not truly trusting him, that are not truly believers. And the scripture says that for them, their destiny is hell. In fact, there are a couple of passages over in Matthew where Jesus talks about this. And he says, at the end of time, the angels are going to go and they're going to separate those who truly believe in Jesus from those who just say they do. He's going to separate them. And those who don't believe in Jesus, their destiny is hell. That's what he's talking about here. Now in verses 4 and 5, when we read this passage, this is where we usually concentrate, and it's definitely important. 
without the power of Christ, without our connection to Christ, we can accomplish nothing. And that's truly very important. But I want to focus on something different here this morning. First of all, I want you to see some of the amazing things that happen when we abide in Christ. The first amazing thing that happens is productiveness. He says, if we abide in Him, we'll bear much fruit. A lot of good things will happen in us and through us. What is fruit? What is the fruit that comes when we abide in Christ? Well, fruit is becoming more like Christ. It's change in our lives so that we be more like Him, so that we are more compassionate, more merciful, more gracious, more consistent in doing what God has asked us to do. That's fruit. Fruit is also the spread of the gospel and people coming to Christ. Pastor Tim was talking just a few minutes ago about the possibility of this building and whether God wants us to buy this building and renovate it or He wants us to build our own or whatever it is that He wants us to do. We know that ultimately our task here in this community is to spread the truth of the gospel so that people will come to Christ. That's fruit. And that productiveness is one of the amazing things that happens When we abide in Christ. Here's the second amazing thing that happens. That is answered prayer. He says there in verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. Ask what you wish and it will be done. Now is there anybody else that thinks that's some kind of green light there? Right? Ask whatever you wish and it will be done. We have to understand this verse in the context that he's using it. You have to make sure we read the whole verse. It doesn't just say, ask whatever you want and I'll do it. He says, if you abide in me, my words abide in you. In terms of fruit bearing, you can ask what you wish and I will do it. Friends, I believe with all of my heart that one of the reasons why we as a church here over the last 15 years have experienced answered prayer time and time again is because we have so many folks who are abiding in Christ and His words are abiding in Him, in them, and we are asking for fruit. He is answering our prayer. The third thing we see here that happens when we abide in Him is we have assurance of Christ's love in verse 9. I think that's a treasure. To be assured of Christ's love. There are times when we don't know. Does Christ love me? Does God love me? Does He care about what's happening? Jesus says, when you abide in me, you will be assured of that. You will know my love. It will be very real to you. And then fourthly, fourthly, He says, you will experience joy and fulfillment. My joy will be in you and your joy will be full. What a list. Who doesn't want that? Of anyone that's here this morning that is a true believer in Jesus, who doesn't want those four things? Is there anybody that doesn't want those four things? Productiveness, answered prayer, assurance of Christ's love, and joy and fulfillment? Of course not. We all want that. Every true Christ follower would be delighted to have this list characterize their lives. And what Jesus is saying here is this. It can be. This can be your life. As a Christ follower. 
Your life can be characterized by productiveness, answered prayer, assurance of Christ's love, and joy and fulfillment. If the key to our Christian life is union with Christ, and the key to all enjoying all that God has for us is abiding, how do we do that? That's what I want us to think about this morning. How do we abide? What does it mean to abide in Christ? Before we do that, I want to mention something to you that I think is going to make our task a little bit easier in understanding this, and it's this. In order to live the Christian life, we are dependent on a power that is outside of us. Nod your head if you've ever wanted to do what's right, but couldn't find the willpower in yourself to do it. Anybody else? Five of us. All right. We're going to have a little support group after church and hope we can figure out what the rest of these people know that we don't. We are dependent, if we're going to live the Christian life, we're dependent on a power that is outside of us. We can't do this ourselves, but I want you to see this. This is incredibly important. We are not passive observers either. There's a balance here, okay? What I mean is this. Just because there is nothing that we can do to make God love us more or make Him love us less does not mean that there is nothing left for us to do. I know that's a bit of a tongue twister, but are you following me? Just because there's nothing we can do to make God love us less or make Him love us more doesn't mean that there's nothing left for us to do. Let me use another analogy. I am really excited that it's spring for a list of reasons that would take us hours to talk about. One of the things I'm most excited about, open water. I love the water. I love the lakes. I have kayaks. I love to paddle on them. So let me use a watercraft analogy to tell you what I'm talking about here. The Christian life is not like a motorboat. If you're in a motorboat, you are in control of your speed and your direction, right? That's not the Christian life. You are not in control of all those things. But neither is the Christian life like a raft where you just sit and float like Huck Finn going down the Mississippi. The Christian life is more like a sailboat. You are dependent on the wind. You do not control the wind but there are some things that you can do to catch the wind and to use it. You see what I'm saying? We are dependent on a power that is outside of ourselves, but we're not passive observers either. There is something that we can do. And I want to suggest to you this morning a few things that abiding in Christ is. Okay? Are you ready? Here's the first one. Abiding is staying. Abiding is staying. That's the literal word, meaning of the word abide. It means to stay. The branch has to be connected to the vine. Okay? It has to be connected to the vine. 
You've got to stay there. If you take a tree or you take a plant and you break the branch off and you throw it on the ground, it's not going to grow. It has to be connected. We have to stay. We have to stay close to Christ. And when I talk about this, what I'm talking about is developing a little bit of consistency in our walk. I'm talking about not having a week go by in between times when we open our Bibles. Talking about being consistent in our time in prayer, in our times gathering as groups or as a church to be taught. I'm talking about putting one foot in front of the other and stringing some days together of doing what God wants us to do. And when there's an interruption in that, when there is a day, when we step away from doing what God wants us to do, the next day getting right back there. Abiding is staying. But it's more than that. Abiding is growing. There's a process and there is progress in abiding. Okay? The vine grows and the branch grows and changes and develops and so do we. For, you, for those of you that have small children or you have had small children in the past, you know that one of the favorite things that kids have to do is to, to play with paint. Water paints, watercolors. Do they still make those little plastic strips with the six or eight little ovals of paint? You know, I remember doing that. I remember when I was a little kid sitting at our kitchen table and my mom giving me a little Dixie cup, you know, with a little bit of water in it for you to dip your paintbrush in. And she realized very quickly to only put like, you know, a quarter of an inch of water in it because whatever's in there is going to get spilled on the table at some point. But you dip your paintbrush in there, and you dip it in the paint, and you paint, and it's probably really odd-looking animal or a crazy-looking house or just a blob and a mass of colors. And after your child does that, though, because they're two or three or five or whatever they are, you take it and you say, oh, honey, my goodness, that is lovely. Thank you. And mom or grandma puts it on the fridge, this place of pride. Or maybe you have a piano in your house. And when your children are just toddlers, their favorite thing to do is to walk over and to reach up and just bang on those keys. And what do we say when that happens? We say, oh, honey, that's so beautiful. Good job. Good job. But what happens when your child is 15 and they say, Mommy, can I play with the watercolors? And they paint a picture of a cat that has six legs and two heads and is purple. What do we do? Do we put it up on the fridge? Oh, darling, that's just, that's fantastic. Or your 16-year-old walks over to the piano and says, look at me, Mom. Bang, 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 bang. It's no longer cute, is it? There's nobody that's paying $25 a ticket to hear somebody that's 30 years old bang on the piano keys. Right? Abiding is growing. There has to be progress. 
It has to be maturity. The things that we do when we're a toddler as a Christ follower are different than the things that we do as we become an adolescent as a Christ follower, as a mature Christ follower. If you're abiding in Christ, there's growth, there's change, there's maturing. So abiding is staying, abiding is growing, but abiding is also trusting. This is a huge part of walking with Christ, learning to trust Him every day with all that happens. And trusting is based on knowing. If we don't know Christ, we won't trust Him. By the way, this is why Pastor Tim and I, at every opportunity that we have, we encourage you to meet together with us on Sunday. And we encourage you to take your Bible every day and read it for yourself. And we encourage you to be a part of a small group where you can read and study the Word together in that setting. And we encourage you to take advantage of the classes that we do on Tuesday nights at the office so that you can learn because we know, because we've experienced it in our own lives, that you won't trust Christ unless you know Him. How often do we come to a crisis point in our lives and we say something like this? What is God doing? I don't know if I can trust this guy. This doesn't make any sense. What is he doing? And you don't know if you can trust him because you don't know who he is. You don't understand who God is. Abiding is trusting and trusting is knowing. I don't know if you've ever heard anyone say this before or if you've read it on a website or in an article or anything like that. But they say that when you are really physically exerting yourself, like if you're going on a strenuous hike or if you're going on a long run, they say that you need to hydrate before you go. Because if you're in the middle of this great physical exertion, and all of a sudden you are incredibly thirsty, then it's actually too late. You're already dehydrated. And at that point, you're just trying to catch up and survive. Okay. And I think that's what happens to us as Christ followers sometimes. We're spiritually dehydrated. We're running. Life is about running a lot of times, isn't it? Nod your head if you feel like you're running, like maybe a chicken with your head cut off or whatever in life, trying to keep up, and we're running, and we're doing all these things, and all of a sudden we hit the wall, bang, and we say, we hit a crisis, what am I going to do, I need God, what does God say, and we whip out our Bibles, and we say, where does it talk about that in the Bible, I got to call somebody, where does it talk about this, or that? Or have you ever been to the point where you all of a sudden thought or felt so desperate to pray that you didn't know what you were going to do? I've got to pray. I've got to know what God wants me to do here. You know what? Can I suggest that you're spiritually dehydrated? Because you don't know Him, 
you can't trust him. And I'm not saying there's never going to be a time to be desperate to pray. But a lot of times we wait too long instead of knowing him beforehand. Well, here's the fourth one. Abiding is enduring. This is part of enduring or abiding that we really need to understand. Remember the sailboat analogy? Christian life is like a sailboat. You can't control the wind, but there are some things that you can do to catch it, to take advantage of it, and God's working in our lives. Well, to keep with that sailboat analogy, when we talk about abiding is enduring, I think we need to sometimes expect the doldrums. If you ever read a book or a novel or anything about sailing, you know that at some point they talk about the doldrums, right? You know what that is? Anybody know what the doldrums is? Dead calm, man. The wind is not blowing. It's not that you don't have your sail up. It's not that you don't have the jib trimmed. That sounds right, doesn't it? It's not that you're not ready for the wind. It's that there is no wind. And we have to expect that. Because you see, sometimes in our lives, and I think you've probably all experienced this as I have, sometimes in our lives, we don't feel Christ. We don't see Him working in our lives. And it is so important that we come to this stage and we recognize what it is because it reminds us that He is God and we are not. It reminds us that we don't control Him. It reminds us that we are at His service and He is not at ours. Because if you're anything like me, you've probably done this. When you've been in the doldrums spiritually and you don't feel Christ and you don't see Him and you don't see God working, what's the first thing that you pray? You know, what's the first thing that you pray when that happens? God, please do something. Right? Do something. God is not at our service. You know what I think sometimes? This is just a thought. You may not agree with me, and that is okay. I don't expect everyone to always agree with me. Actually, I'm quite used to lots of people not agreeing with me. That's all right. You know what I think? Sometimes we get hooked on the experience of Christ. We get hooked on the experience. Did you see that? Did you see what God did? Look at that. Look at what's happening. I feel it. I feel God working in my life. I feel Him doing those things. And believe me, that's a great feeling and it's wonderful and I'm so thankful for it. But we get hooked on that. And then when nothing is happening, we pick up our Bibles and we get on our knees to pray. Or we come to church or we serve and we say, there's nothing happening. There's nothing happening. And when nothing is happening, we tend to say, why am I still doing this? Why am I reading my Bible if, if God's not speaking to me? Why am I praying if God's not answering? Why am I serving if I don't feel like anything is being done? Why am I doing it? 
this may be one of the most important stages of our growth. Because even though you may not be getting anything, you and I need to understand that we still need God. Because then we have to ask ourselves, if we're at that stage, do I want God or do I want what God gives? Do I want to know God? Do I want to have communion with Him? Do I want to spend time getting to know Him? Or do I just want God to do things so that I know He's there? What am I doing here? You probably understand this because of other areas of our lives. But we don't typically grow when everything is flowing. You know what I mean? We don't typically grow when everything is going really well. We grow when we're striving. We grow when we're stretching. We grow when we're scrapping for every inch. And we grow when we remember that we're not looking for an experience which may or may not come, but we're coming to God who is always there. When we're staying and trusting and growing and adoring, enduring and abiding in Christ when it's tough, that's when we grow. So expect the doldrums. And expect suffering. Because Jesus tells us that. He tells us that abiding will bring suffering. What do you think that Jesus meant in the Gospels when he said, If you want to follow me, take up your cross. If you want to find meaning in your life, you've got to be willing to lose your life. If you want to be first, you need to be willing to be last. If you want to have everything, you need to be willing to give up everything that you have. A lot of times people ask, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, the Bible doesn't give us a complete answer on this. But what the Bible does is it gives us a perfect person who lived a perfect life. And it shows us that even the best life is not free of pain and suffering. So expect suffering. Well... Here's the last one. Abiding is resting. And I see a progression here among these five things. At some point, in the middle of trusting and enduring, there comes a resting. There comes a realization that this is where I need to be. And if I really trust Jesus, then I can rest in the fact that He cares for me because He knows what's happening and He's in control. And I don't have to wrestle anymore and I don't have to fight and I don't have to struggle, and I don't have to strive, because my life is in His hands. And friends, this is what I mean when I say that just because there's nothing that we can do to make God love us more, or love us less, does not mean there's nothing left for us to do. Because when we read this passage, and we read about abiding in Christ, it seems really passive, but it isn't. It isn't passive. 
You have to make a choice to stay. You have to make a choice to grow. You have to make a choice to trust, a choice to endure, a choice to rest. And in that way, the command to abide in Christ is both a comfort and a challenge. Jesus says, abide in me. That's comforting. I'm going to give you the strength. I'm going to give you the power to produce fruit and to be the person that I want you to be. That's comforting. But it's also challenging because you need to practice what is yours. You need to practice what God is offering to you and experience what you've already been given. So my question for you as I close is this. Do you want communion with Christ? Do you want this close fellowship? Do you want to see Him work through you? Do you want to see Him work and produce fruit in your life? Do you want to experience His joy? You need to ask yourself if you want to have it because this is not passive. This will not just automatically happen. It's a choice. Choose to stay, to grow, to trust, to endure, to rest. This is just me, guys. You may not feel the same way, but for me, one of the most challenging aspects of the Christian life is the sheer repetitiveness of it. God wants us to walk with Him every day. He wants us to abide in Him every day. He wants us to choose to rest in Him every day. And abiding in Christ is not meant to be rare. It's not meant to be extraordinary. It's meant to be typical. It's meant for all of us every day to abide in Him to walk, to choose to grow, to endure, to rest. One of the ways that we grow in Him and trust Him is to celebrate communion together. That's what we're going to do right now. It's choosing to remember what Christ has done for us. Last week we celebrated Easter, Christ's death and His resurrection. We remember what He did And we look forward to his return. And this morning as we celebrate communion, I want to ask you to just pause and take these few quiet moments and give thanks for all that Christ has done for you. If you're a true Christ follower here this morning, if you've given your heart to him, give thanks for what he's done for you and pray for the strength to abide to make those right choices, to trust Him, to grow, to endure. Because remember, without Him, we can do nothing. I'm going to pray, and as I pray, I'm going to ask the guys to come forward. They're going to pass out the bread, and they're going to pass out the cup, and I would encourage you again to take these few moments to pray, give thanks for what Christ has done. If you're a Christ follower here this morning, we invite you to join with us in taking communion. If you're not a believer, don't feel obligated. You can just pass the tray on to the next person and that's, and that's fine.
But this morning, let's do this thoughtfully and carefully. As the bread comes and you pray and give thanks for it, you can go ahead and eat it. And when the cup comes, you can do the same. The band is going to play. And I'd encourage you to take these few moments to just reflect on Christ's sacrifice for us. Father, we humbly place ourselves at your feet. We recognize that without Jesus Christ, we can do nothing. Help us to abide, Father, but not passively, actively, knowing you, trusting you, growing. Thank you for Jesus Christ, his sacrifice on the cross, the salvation, the forgiveness that we can have through him. We trust you, Father, for each day, and we look forward to the day when Christ returns. So I pray that you would be honored here this morning as we celebrate communion together. In Christ's name. Without me, you can do nothing. We can have everything that the world has to offer. But without Christ, in eternity, it won't amount to anything. See, that's the problem, isn't it? Our perspective. We're looking down. We're looking at this earth, this world, and everything it has to offer. Instead of looking at Christ. Instead of looking at eternity. Yeah, you're present may be a little more comfortable but your eternity will be lacking we need to change our perspective would you stand with us this morning we're going to sing a song as we close we're not going to sing a song are we going to sing a song what sorry (laughs) father thank you for all of your goodness to us we ask for your grace and strength And I pray as we go out into this week that you will use us as your people, that you will strengthen and guide us. In Christ's name, amen.